Ducks fans, are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along my co-host, Eddie Richard. And we are back, uh, you know, just a week after some action of our last show. A few things happened, you know, the draft, free agency, uh, hockey hot stove, you know, a little bit of news. So hopefully we'll be back on a regular basis like this uh, as, you know, the NHL season finished. All these things happen and we're moving into, uh, you know, this this short off season as we go into uh, next year. But uh, plenty to unpack in this show. We'll start off a little bit with the draft. We'll also have Thomas come back and talk with us about that. We'll go into the free agency. Uh, plenty of fan questions as well and things to cover on this show. So let's let's get this party started. Um, Eddie, uh, it, it's only been a short time, but uh, the draft, pretty interesting. Uh, exciting, right? Uh, a little virtual draft, not the normal. But, um, you know, the word is the Ducks did pretty well. They had uh, Jamie Drysdale draft in the first round and Jacob Perot. Um, what did you think just overall about the draft uh, and how the Ducks did? I was pretty excited about it. I can't believe Drysdale dropped that low. Um, I know the Red Wings threw out a, a curveball with their selection, but it was kind of good that we, we get that. I still think he's a top defenseman in the draft, even though Sanderson went before him. So I'm just looking forward to seeing what he can do in the, in the hopefully the near future. I don't think we can. Uh, we'll see him dressed up in a, a Ducks uniform this season, especially with everything going on. But the, watching videos from this kid, he, he looks like the real deal, and I'm looking forward to it. And it's really cool that some uh, some scouts compared him to Kale McCarr. If he can turn out anything like Kale McCarr, I think the Ducks are going to be set on defense for a while. Yeah, absolutely. And they kind of did, you know, what we expected. Uh, like I said, I'll have Thomas in here in a minute, but they did get a forward and a defenseman in the first round. That's what Thomas predicted, but in, in reverse order. Um, still exciting, though. I, I'm with you. Like Drysdale, uh, a good, solid skater, a playmaker. Uh, they're saying that he can also contribute on the power play. You, know, you talk about Perot. They're talking about him having a, a great shot being a sniper. He had 30-plus goals in the last two seasons. Also someone that can score on the power play. So I thought it was kind of interesting uh, looking at this draft. It, it seemed like the first round, Murray went after guys uh, you know, quality people like uh, Thomas had talked about kind of went for the you know the best pick available, but he also looked at addressing the power play, uh, and we'll see that too in some of these other uh, moves that we'll talk about later in the show. Also, he went with three defensemen in the uh, first uh, five picks in this draft, trying to load up. I think again too because the Ducks seemed to kind of you know be a little bit short there as well. So uh, I think it was kind of a combination. I think he went for you know the best players early on. And then kind of shifted gears, you know, the last three picks he went with forward. So he kind of went a little bit more uh, with what kind of the roster looked like, which is what he talked about in the hockey hot stove, which again, we'll talk about that later. But overall, I think they did really good, uh, Eddie. I was pretty excited. Um, it was different, you know, obviously they weren't there in person, but a lot of people gave the Ducks uh, high marks, you know, A, A minus, B plus. And we talked about that in the last show. We really felt that the Ducks would, uh, you know, do decent uh, with Madden being, you know, basically the quarterback, they're drafting all this stuff uh, and doing all the research with the scouts and everything. And overall, um, the Ducks came through on the draft. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. And Perot, too, uh, via Elite Prospects, uh, they have him as one of the peer snipers and one of the best shots in the draft class, a player that can score from anywhere. So just having him, especially with the Ducks, don't score a lot of goals, especially on the power play. I think he's going to be a great addition. And I didn't really think the Ducks knocked out of the park on uh, on day one of the draft. It was, just, uh, I guess we, uh, what's that movie, Draft Day, when the, that, that guy comes up and says, we had a good day. Yes. I just I, I just kept thinking that in my mind uh, during the draft. So, oh, like overall, I'm happy. I'm looking forward to hearing what Thomas has to say about all the other draft picks. Uh, he, he, he called it right, even though it was re- reverse order. But if you're a Ducks fan, you cannot be mad at this. And then Perot, also, too, uh, number 44. So I've been looking and hoping for a, a superstar, or former superstar, or at least a top player that can come on the Ducks and wear number 44 because that's my hockey number. I would love to get... You know, and like a player that has that number, so I can buy that jersey just for the number. So fingers crossed for the those little tiny things like that that make me happy. Hey, little tiny things are important. <laughs> and uh, with that, I'll bring in Thomas now. Uh, he and I'll talk a little bit uh, about the articles he wrote and what he thought about the draft. And then after that, uh, Eddie and I will go into the free agency. So uh, here's my interview with Thomas. And joining me now is Thomas Harrington. We had him on the show last week. He gave his preview on how he thought the Ducks would do in the draft. And Anaheim did end up taking a defenseman and a forward in the first round. So we're going to kind of dive into that. And we'll talk about uh, the other picks as well and kind of the status of maybe uh, junior hockey as well. But Thomas, what did you think uh, about the Ducks? It seemed like a pretty exciting draft. A lot of people thought they did pretty well. They took uh, Jamie Drysdale and uh, Jacob Perot in the first round. What are your thoughts uh, maybe on the draft overall for the Ducks or the first round? Uh, how did you think they did? I think the Ducks did well. I, I like this draft a lot. I'm hoping in a few years I can look back and love this draft, but that remains to be seen. So like we discussed, the Ducks had the sixth overall pick. I thought it was going to be one of three players, um, Lucas Raymond, Jamie Drysdale, Marco Rossi. Um, well, Raymond went uh, fourth overall to Detroit, and that fifth, uh, Ottawa was the first surprise taking Jake Sanderson. And so the Ducks stepped up and they took uh, Jamie Drysdale. Based on everything I've read, I think he's a very, very good pick. If it was up to me, I probably would have picked Rossi, but, you know, Murray and Madden, they know so much more about, they've forgotten more about hockey than I'm ever going to know. So I'm, I'm going to trust them on this pick. Um, and, you know, Drysdale, uh, he really feel, fills a need in this organization. An elite right handed defenseman. You know, he projects to be um, better than Botnan, better than Montour, um, or on their best days. And they were two pretty good right-hand defensemen in the past. So if he can really hit that ceiling of his, um, I think he is uh, potentially a, a great pick at sixth overall. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, what's kind of interesting, too, is that we talked about, you know, the Ducks going by best uh, player in the beginning. They pick up Drysdale, as you said. Uh, a good playmaker, a guy that can add on the power play. Then they get Perot, um, the son of uh, Yannick Perot, uh, who's also got a great shot, who can also add to the power play. Um, did you kind of think that the Ducks were maybe trying to, you know, Murray Madden, you know, address the power play a little bit in this first round? I, I think they were addressing the power play in the first, and actually in the first few rounds mm-hmm. of the draft. Um, Drysdale, he's um, a power play specialist. Um, he uh, he had 22 power play points last season and was tied for the team lead um, on Erie with 19 power play assists. Um, so absolutely, that's what one of the reasons why they want to pick up is he's got, because the next power play has been anemic for, what, two or three seasons Too long. now? Um, 
Yeah, exactly. When he gets there, he's just going to be great. Um, and then Pro as well. You know, he led uh, Sarnia with 29 power play points. More importantly, though, 15 of those were power play goals, which is just, you know, the Ducks haven't had that kind of power play finisher um, since Perry in his heyday. And Pro is, he's a right hand shot. He's got a great one timer. Um, he's actually a player I thought was going to go in the late teens, early 20s. But if he fell to 27, I really want the Ducks to uh, take him. So I was very happy to see him still available. And I was happy to see the Ducks uh, pick him up as well. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I was really ecstatic after the first two picks. I, I thought the Ducks did fantastic in round one. Uh, going into the other rounds, you, you know, the Ducks uh, kind of went more heavy on defense in, in their first uh, five picks. Three of them were defensemen. And then at the end, they finished out with three forwards. Um, how, whoever you want to talk about or whatever you think, uh, you know, in these rounds, uh, anybody stand out to you? Do you think, you know, we talked about the Ducks kind of going with uh, talent first and then maybe more position later on. You know, just what's your thoughts on the rest of the picks, how, however you want to uh, break it down? So I'll just go in order there. Second round pick, Sam Colangelo. He played uh, for the Chicago Steel at the USHL last year. Um, he's a kid like Perot. Um, he's a right and he's just a goal scorer he had 28 goals in 44 games um and his selection both him and pro gives the ducks two right wingers for their future and they, ha they haven't had this kind of talent at right wing in their prospect system in a very long time frankly for, over the last several years it's been centers and left wings that they've really focused on so it's nice to see them get uh two right wingers who have um pot potentially very good to elite goal scorers uh so I actually like Colangelo a lot. Um, and if Pro had been picked, Colangelo is actually one of the players who I was initially considering for the Ducks at 27th overall. Um, so I was very happy to see him taken uh, with the 36th pick. Yeah, I agree. I, I think they did pretty well on that. And you know, then they kind of shifted gears after that with the uh, 67th and 104 pick. They went with defensemen. Uh, again, you think they're trying, I mean, you know, they did pick up uh, Shattenkirk, obviously, right after this, but uh, it seems like they're trying to load up a little bit on defense uh, in these couple picks. Oh, absolutely. So, for Ian Moore and for Timo Nicola as well, they're both right-hand shots. Um, they're both one for pushing the play and for scoring um, a lot of points. Um, so, Ian Moore was in high school last year, um, and 28 games, he had 46 points. Um, this coming season, he will be in the USHL playing for the uh, Chicago Steel, um, the team Colangelo was just on. Um, and then the year after that, he's committed to go to Harvard. So, you know, he's a right-hand shooting defenseman. A lot of my right about him actually reminds me of Drysdale, just not at the elite level that Drysdale is. Um, and he's also nowhere near as far, far along his development as Drysdale is. Um, but, you know, if he can work out, um, the Ducks might have two great right-hand shooting defensemen uh, in their system in the next few years. And then Nickel as well. He's another right-handed shot. In uh, Drummondville, he had 39 points in 58 games. And uh, again, he uh, led his team in power play assists with 19 and had 25 power play points overall. Um, so I really think these first five picks for the Ducks are all about fixing the power play long-term. They can all, they've all got a ton of skill, and they're all known for doing a lot of damage with the man advantage. Um, not just Drysdale, not just Pro, but Nickel as well. Um, so I'm excited to see how they work out uh, over the next several seasons. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you're right as far as addressing the needs for the team. What did you think about the last three picks? Um, they went with Galimov, uh, Sunsvik, and Bowen, uh, all forwards in the last, uh, you know, like I said, three picks. Um, you think they're just kind of stockpiling for the AHL there or something else? 
So I think so. Galimuth, Galimuth is a bit of a weird one. He's already 21 years old, so he's one of the oldest players picked on the draft. He's currently playing in the KHL, and he actually won Rookie of the Year honors in the KHL last year with 23 points in 55 games. Now that's not a, a huge uh, point production that he had, but still, it was good enough to get Rookie of the Year in one of the best leagues in the world. So I'm really excited to see uh, what he can do in the next couple of years. I. I he also also he's Russian. Um, the last time the Ducks picked a Russian was Igor Bobkov over a decade yes. ago. Um, they don't take a lot of the Russians, so I, I a lot in this guy. And as a fifth round pick, I, I think it was absolutely the right player to choose. Is he going to be a great player in the NHL? Maybe, maybe not. Um, but I, I think more than most fifth round picks, because of that age he already has and the experience he has. In the KHL, I think he has a better chance than most other fifth-round picks do. So I'm really excited to see what he does. The KHLs actually already started their season. Um, he's played 16 games, and he's got three goals and uh, nine points to start the season off. So, again, those aren't elite at popping numbers, but those are pretty tall numbers for a fifth-round pick in one of the best hockey leagues in the world. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I mean, looking at a lot of these picks, I, I think the Ducks did very well overall. Um, what what did you think in terms like if you were to give them a grade? You know, a lot of people gave the Ducks an A, A minus, B plus. How do you think the Ducks uh, did just overall in this draft for 2020? Um, so like you said, most people gave them an A or a B. Right now, I would probably do B B plus. The only reason why I don't give them an A is just because while well, I think Drysdale is potentially a great player, I do think there was at least one, maybe even two other players I would have taken before him. But you know, if looking back five years from now, Drysdale is easily enhanced best defenseman and just one of the best players in this draft, then I will hopefully be changing my team and saying, you know, they definitely got an A on that on this draft. Um, so right now, I probably go B B plus. And you know, as with all drafts, there's a potential for that to rise or low or lower. Um, I'm hoping it will uh, rise uh, significantly. Would be great. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's difficult to determine. You know, the consensus is the Ducks did pretty well, pretty high up there. Um, we had a lot of people asking about next season uh, and if uh, Jamie Drysdale would crack the lineup. Uh, once the Ducks got Shattenkirk, Eddie and I talked about it a little bit on the show as well that, you know, it, it seems a little bit difficult. But there's also some rules that you and I kind of talked about before you came on here. I didn't know if you want to maybe discuss them a little bit that with Drysdale, it's going to be difficult because with the, you know, the logjam, the Ducks have top four, right? Lindholm. Manson, Fowler, Shattenkirk, and then they've got a whole, uh, you know, a bunch of people fighting it out for that uh, third pairing. So if Drysdale doesn't get NHL time, which is kind of what Eddie and I think, then uh, I'll kind of let you explain it. But uh, it's going to be kind of a tough go, even though there's also some uncertainty too in the league, which uh, he and I d will discuss a little bit more in the show as well. Um, but kind of what's your take on, I guess, you know, the status of the minor league hockey and, and you know, how it's all going to work out. There's, like, just so much uncertainty uh, going into next season. Yeah, uncertainty is it's the right word for it. I, if, if this was a normal year, I would say Drysdale would be back in juniors and then have a shot a year from now um, at the NHL lineup. It's not a normal year, so it's really hard to guess what's going to happen. So the way Canadian Juniors works is you can either be when you're drafted at 18 or 19, you're either in Canadian Juniors or you're in the NHL. Um, there's actually a rule that says you can't go to the AHL um, unless you are 20 or more if you played in Canadian Juniors. Now there are some exceptions to that. Uh, Max Comtois a couple of years ago 
when he was 18 or 19, did get a few games with the goals. Um, that was because that was a conditioning assignment um, after being injured. Once that conditioning assignment was up, he either had to come back to the AHL or be returned to juniors, and ultimately the Ducks sent him back to juniors to um, further develop. So if this was normal times in my mind, I think Dryasel stays in juniors this season, and then as a 19-year-old, I think he'd have a shot at the AHL, but that's pretty far from a guarantee. However, right now, Canadian Juniors is kind of all over the place. QMJHL is already playing, and they've played a number of games, but every now and then games also are being postponed because of the ongoing pandemic. So it remains to be seen how successful they do this season, unfortunately. The OHL uh, has yet to even announce a date of return to play. I actually saw recently um, there was talk of the OHL playing, but only as a... uh, with no hitting allowed in order to try and stop the spread um, of the virus, um, which I get why they want to do that. I actually applaud them for trying to do things to help protect these players. Unfortunately, I don't think eliminating hitting is the way to do it because a hit is, you know, it's a half second and you're gone. Something like a face-off or a scrum is, in my mind, a lot more dangerous because you're face-to-face for a longer period of time. Um, So who knows what's happening with the OHL. And uh, unfortunately, Drysdale plays in the OHL. Um, Erie is in the OHL, so... If they don't play this season, maybe they will actually amend the rules and let um, Drysdale and others play in the AHL this season. I have no idea if that's going to happen, but I I just feel like that just makes a lot of sense. If you can't get juniors playing, uh, then let these kids play in the minor leagues so at least they can continue to develop. That is, of course, if the AHL could even get off the ground. And then the WHL actually just announced uh, their return to play. Um, they'll be back uh, in January on January 8th. Um, so if they can stick that, that's when uh, Braden Tracy, uh, one of last year's first-rounders, will uh, start his season off. So it's very much up in the air. Um, QMJHL is going right now. It's it's going surprisingly well. Like I said, the having games have been postponed. The WHL is set to return in January. Hopefully, uh, as of right now, it doesn't have a return-to-play date that I know of. Yeah, I mean, you bring up some good points uh, as far as the minor league hockey goes. Uh, with these teams you know the the certain rules and whatnot obviously with the chl uh, ohl and different things that are going on so it'll be interesting to monitor uh, you know what's coming up because you know the nhl is supposed to start towards january the whl is supposed to start towards january as well maybe they do a minute or whatnot so definitely uh interesting times and things to keep uh you know uh you know abreast of and look at but uh, i appreciate you coming on again um if you guys don't know thomas does a tremendous amount of work for us he covers anything minor league hockey ducks prospects san diego goals everything like that um super appreciative of everything thanks for coming on the show again thomas thanks for having me all right, and that was Thomas. He uh, recapped the draft. You know, pretty exciting. Uh, you know, look for his articles and everything that he does uh, for this website as he covers the prospects and whatnot uh, with the year going forward. And uh, you know, with this, we we expected the draft, as I said, Eddie. You know, we talked about Murray and Madden and the Ducks doing well with that, <clears throat> and then the free agency. Uh, you really went off on Murray last time, which I cracked up uh, about the free agency because he doesn't make big moves. So you know, after the draft, we were we were like, okay, cool, we got we got these guys. Uh, you know, they added a lot of depth. They got a lot of quality players. We're all excited. And then uh, on the last show, if you didn't listen to it, Eddie was very critical of Murray. I was too, but Eddie more so. And I guess maybe Murray listened to the show, Eddie, because <laughs> he decided to do a bunch of stuff. We talked about, hey. You know, make a big move. Is he going to make a big move? We didn't think he was really going to do much. 
Um, he goes out, he gets Grant back, which we, we pretty much expected that. But before it, he uh, trades Goodbranson, creates cap space, brings in Shattenkirk, who he tried to get before, as you all know. And uh, it's kind of interesting, Eddie. I mean, he was he did do some wheeling and dealing, so maybe you need to just get on him on every show. I, I don't know. <laughs> I know it's going to be hard to, to say anything negative about Marie on this show because he had a great draft day, and I think free agency he knocked out of the park too. You can't really complain about that. Um, Gabranson was hard to see go. He, he played well with the Ducks. So I, I wish him the best of luck. It was one of those moves. It's unfortunate. The cap's not going up. It's staying where it's at. So it's one of those moves you have to make. Kessler is, is going to be on long-term injury reserve, but we can't use that cap space until later on, until the official rosters get sent out. So it was one of those moves that you had to be made. But you, you can't really complain. Um, I don't know if you want me to go over who we signed first or if you wanted to talk about that first, Mike, and now I can interject after. No, definitely. I mean, we already mentioned Grant and, and Shattenkirk. If you want to break down the numbers and then some of the other free agents uh, uh, or signings that they did, uh, go for it, and then I'll interject away. Well, Derek Grant, I took it took a while, and we are getting all frustrated. I, I've been, I was up at 6 in the morning, uh, Southern California. Me time. too. Uh, this was... <laughs> Just sitting there watching, waiting, listening, getting set up. Um, I, I had, the only regret I had that morning was I should have got beer in the morning, but it was way too early, so I didn't want to go. <laughs> hey, but, it's 5 o'clock somewhere, Eddie. Come on. <laughs> I know, right? I think it's like in, in Asia or something. It's 12 hours ahead, so I can go on their time. But Grant, when they re- uh, announced him, I think every Ducks fan was excited. Grant is welcomed in Anaheim. That's his home. He seems to play his best hockey with the Ducks. And that's what we want from our players is to milk the most hockey we can out of them. And he, he loves to play there. He signed a three-year deal worth $4.5 million. That's a $1.5 million AAV. I know some fans were complaining about that. It's like I don't understand how you can be complaining about that that term. It's a, it's a $1.5 million AAV. He was almost a 20-goal scorer. He had 14 goals with the Ducks. He gets traded to Philadelphia for that fourth-round pick. Uh, he does play seven games at Philadelphia, has a goal and four assists, five points in those seven games, so a 15-goal score before the season got shut down. Uh, for a potential 20-goal scorer, yeah, even though it might be a fluke, it might not be, he still plays his best hockey in Anaheim, and I think that's a hell of a deal. And I think he got paid for what he's worth. I'm pretty sure on the open market, he probably could have got a flat two million and that would have been fair for someone like that uh like i said he um he, he loves playing for anaheim he loves playing for the ducks he posted a, a nice a cute picture of him rocking that mighty ducks shirt as a child when he was a kid so it's really great to have grant back and, and that just kick-started it and right before you can actually uh start breathing and you know and start talking again they go and announce they, they sign uh, Kevin Shattenkirk to a three-year, $11.7 million deal with a $3.9 million AAV average. And that includes a modified 12-team uh, no-trade to clause. Um, there's a McDonald's ice cream machine, one, on IG, was asking about our opinions on Shattenkirk 2 and who we'll play with. That's an awesome freaking IG name. <laughs> uh, you should put, like, broken ice cream machine because that's McDonald's trademark. <laughs> I really think this is another good signing at a team-friendly deal for the Ducks. Um, he deserved this pay increase. He had that beniscus terror with New York. Um, he, he didn't have that great of a season. They ended up buying him out. 
but he he was resilient and he did a, a kind of a like you know, sign for a lower deal to approve it deal with the Tampa Bay Lightning and he came in there and did that. He played exceptionally well for Tampa Bay and he helped them win the Stanley Cup. He brings that Stanley Cup experience. He brings over 679 games. And he's almost a 400-point scorer, too. He, he's probably going to reach that. He's 17 points away from 17 points, or 400 points. He loves to shoot the puck. He, he he's, well, he's that ultimate player that that knows how to overcome adversity and, and kind of rise to that occasion, and he did that. He, he proved it in Tampa Bay, and he, he's rewarded with the great contract. As far as who, he's, who, who, he, who he will play with, it's kind of penciled in. He's going to play with Cam Fowler. Which is kind of be good if you guys heard the clip that we posted. Him and Cam Fowler are pretty good friends. Uh, him, Cam Fowler, and, uh, and I think Nick Benino was that middle uh, that, that that middle anchor that brought them together. So I think that was a contributing factor in how he signed with the Ducks. Regardless, he has that that instant chemistry ready because uh, they're off ice friendship. So it's just gonna blossom more uh, while playing together. I'm playing with with my best friend. I actually played with my best friend last week. He hasn't played in years. And it's instantly I had that chemistry with him. I knew he was going to be, even though he hasn't played in like five, six years, I knew exactly how he plays and just how his personality is on the on the rink. So I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to translate to really, really good chemistry, and they're going to be fun to watch. And hopefully he helps out with the power play, which is definitely needed. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on everything. Uh, as far as Grant goes, I, you know, when that first happened, it was kind of like, okay, it's going to happen. Yeah, I was a little surprised that it was three years, but don't forget the expansion drafts coming up too and all those rules and whatnot. Plus, why wouldn't you lock down Grant uh, for a couple of years? We talked about this last season. Uh, you know, he plays that bottom six role. He can play wherever you need him to be, forward wing. Uh, center, you know, whatever, whatever you got, you know, any forward position basically uh, to do what you need. And then we were complaining about the power play last year and we said, hey, you know, put Derek Grant on the power play. Get him in front of the net, do some screening because no one else was doing it. And then what did the Ducks do? I, I don't know if Murray listened to us again on the podcast, but then they put Derek Grant on the power play. And what happened? He started screening the goalie and, and the power play started, you know, it wasn't awesome, but the power play did better. So I, I think... Again, like in the draft, especially in the first round, Murray got two guys looking towards the power play. Well, both these guys are the same thing. He brings in Grant, uh, another utility player that, that can play quality minutes on the bottom two you know, lines, but then he can also help on the power play. Brings in Shattenkirk, and you found that awesome clip. I didn't even know he was friends with Fowler until you, you sent me that. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes a little bit more sense. Uh, also because Murray had talked to him before and tried to do you know, some kind of a, a move uh, about a year ago or so so you have that as well so you know you look at the ducks now defense uh they're looking pretty good you have your top you know pairings uh and, and to kind of go to that ig question i mean it looks like fowler and shattenkirk will probably be together and then uh Lindholm and manson that they've been with before but they could probably flip them around a little bit too and now the ducks have uh, a top four uh defensive core that's solid and you've got three out of four that are puck moving defensemen they're great two-way players hopefully take some pressure off Gibson, right? Uh, who's just getting pelted last year. So, you know, I really love these moves. Uh, and, and the fact that he uh, moved out, uh, Gabranson, I'm with you, Eddie. Emotionally, I, I kind of felt for him because I like Gabranson. I thought he was a great player. Um, granted, he was more of a, you know, maybe a fourth or fifth defenseman. Wasn't, you know, necessarily like a top pairing. Now we bring in Shattenkirk for a reasonable deal. 
Um, you know, and the Ducks are up against the cap, as you kind of mentioned, too. So I was really happy with these moves, Eddie. And then uh, they made a couple more minor moves. They brought back Andy Walensky uh, on, a, on a reasonable deal. You remember he was with uh, the goals for a while, did play a little bit with the Ducks. Not a bad choice. Uh, they brought in the former New York Ranger, Vinny Letary, um, who's done very, very well in the AHL. Uh, 71 goals in the last three seasons. Played a little bit in, uh, with New York. Uh, it didn't really score as much. And then they also brought in uh, Drysdale's teammate, uh, Maxim Golan, who this guy's been going nuts. You know, he had 25 goals last year with the Airy Otters, uh, another guy that could explode as well. So, you know, even looking at, at what they did, and of course, you know, more things can happen. This is just at the time that we're recording this, but. I liked what Murray did in the free agency, Eddie. I thought he brought in some of the needs that uh, would help this team. I, I thought he backfilled some of the stuff. And there's some potential in here uh, for some of these guys to do well. I still think the loophole for the Ducks is the offense. I think that's the big issue. But given the cap space and everything, um, I like what Murray did in the free agency, Eddie. Oh, same here. I, I I couldn't agree more with you what you said. Um, Marie did great. Like I said, the draft and the free agency. Letary was on a, a one-year uh, two-way deal. He comes from a bloodline of former pros. His grandfather was a coach, GM of the Minnesota North Stars and a player. Uh, his father played pro soccer. His uncle was drafted by the Blackhawks, played uh, some pro hockey too. Two cousins drafted by the Rangers in the uh, Minnesota Wild. He had a, a, a Michael Russo reported from the Athletic that he had a dozen other options, more lucrative options that he could have signed with. And Colorado, Montreal, and Washington were amongst those. He chose to sign with the Ducks for some reason. He wants to play for the Ducks. He wants to play in Anaheim or San Diego. Who knows? Look for him to have a strong training camp. And I don't think his goal is to sit there and play for San Diego. I think he really wants to make an impact and be on the Ducks. So look for him to have a strong camp and to make the team. All the other signings, uh, uh, they're great. Walensky, I think it's a little bit of logjam for the Ducks, he, but he's, he's going to play great in San Diego. I mean, who wouldn't want to like play and live in San Diego as a pro hockey player? It's going to be awesome. DeLeo, a great guy. We, we, we've talked to him to uh, our DMs. We almost had him on the show. Unfortunately, we, we couldn't get him. But he's a really good guy. He's a hard worker. He puts in the work. And same with Tim. He posted, you know, he'll be here. He's home. He loves playing in Anaheim. It's just look for these guys to just bolster up the goals and, and to play even uh, that much better. Yeah, I agree. Um, go, go ahead, Eddie. Oh, no, go ahead. Yeah, I was oh, okay. No, uh, j- I was just the, we had the one other one, too. Andrew Podolowski uh, as well. So just to make sure you guys knew oh, that, that was the other guy we brought in as well, Eddie. Yeah, uh, he came from the Hurricanes. I think we, we we got him on a trade for the Hurricanes. He had some really strong numbers uh, for the goals. Um, just look for him, too, to assume, a, I, I think, a more of a leadership role for him um, to come up there and put up those numbers and help the goals, uh, you know, win their championship. So I think for the draft and free agency, I, I think it's 100% A+. Plus. Um, yeah, I was critical on Murray last show, and I'm always going to be open and honest with you. I, I'm not – all because I love the Ducks. I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you how I feel, 100% truth. Um, this show, I, I'll give Murray praise. I'll give praise where it's due. He, he, he did a great job. Uh, these signings, the scouts too, let's not uh, forget about them. I'm pretty sure they have a lot of like pro and amateur scouts uh, and prospect scouts going out and scouting these players and picking the, the best ones for the Ducks. And I think uh, they hit it out of the park. It was just uh, a, a great free agency and a great uh, draft for the Ducks. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm all, uh, you know, on the positive swing, you know, more so with all the things that happened this last week for the Ducks. I think you got to look at this team, and there's a lot of potential there. And, there, and there's some more stuff we'll talk about, too, because uh, they did do another uh, hockey hot stove with Murray, uh, a virtual one. We'll get to that in a second. But before we go to that, let's talk about the Ducks players that aren't coming back. So it's kind of a big list here. I'll just kind of mention them off, and then, you know, Eddie, you can kind of give your two cents and I'll give mine, but um, the, the guys that did not return uh, was Kevin Boyle, uh, Keith Sherwood, Kyle Crisculo, Matt Irwin, Max Gortz, uh, Ryan Miller still up in the air. We're going to talk about that too because there was some news on him. Chris Muller, Blake uh, Patelia, Chris Weidman, and Delzato. So those are the guys, at least as the time of this show, that, that did not come back with the Ducks, and a, and a bunch of them, I'll let Eddie talk about them, went, some went to other teams. I know Sherwood went to the Avalanche, so Eddie's happy about that. But I'll let you talk about kind of where these guys landed and, and what kind of surprised you, because I know uh, we were kind of disappointed that Sherwood was gone. Also, Delzato's still out there as well. So what did you think about the Ducks, uh, you know, not bringing this group or, or anybody in particular back? Well, just speaking on a pure emotion, I was really sad to see Kevin Boyle go. He was probably one of my favorites. Um, a great guy on Twitter and social media, talking back and forth. He obviously he was, he responded to fans, and he was just fun. He was just a fun player and a really likable player. But all emotions aside, it, it, it's, it's a business game, and I guess it had to be done. I wish him the best with the Red Wings. Uh, they're uh, in, in a situation where they just lost Jimmy Howard. So he probably has a chance to make their uh, their roster and and kind of play in, in in you know the big league, the National Hockey League. So that's gonna be good for him. Sherwood was a really big surprise. He he came out of nowhere. No one really knew his name. He had a, a decent camp with the Ducks to make the roster. Um, I, I was surprised they let him go and they didn't re-sign him. It, it just wasn't a mutual thing. I think the Avalanche. Um, they dealt with a lot of injuries too, just like the Ducks, uh, and they have their training facility uh, way closer than San Diego is to uh, to Anaheim. So I think he'll have some uh, have some games with the Avalanche and have an opportunity to crack their roster and to be, I, I guess, a a semi you know person in the NHL. But um, another one I was uh, really surprised. Actually, two other ones. Uh, Chris Weidman didn't play that well, but he's currently with the KHL. He uh, has ten points in thirteen games, so he's having some uh, some success in the K. Dalzado. Dalzado is one of those players where y- you want that depth. Like he's that he's that seventh guy, maybe that's that that bottom six. But but he could still play. He could still contribute. He has that experience that. Yeah, that he could, that teams want, and he's not going to cost you an arm and leg. He's just there to to play his hockey. He's I think he's probably one of the, uh, if not the fittest player on the Ducks. This dude's always posting out or posting his his regimen of workouts, and he's just, he just seems like that that type of guy that just he he works out a lot. So he has that that that, that strength, and, and he's that player that you players would would see and try to try to emulate. Like, oh, this guy's at the gym again. He's probably the first one there, last one to leave kind of guy. I don't think he'll be unsigned for too long. Um, unfortunately for the Ducks, we have way more like uh, I guess like a little bit better players that can actually take that seventh role. That could be an upgrade, and the Ducks want to go in a different direction. But I do wish him the best, and, and I wish all all of them the best. Like, hey, hey, everyone that played for the Ducks, regardless if they were that, I guess, that household name or not, they still play for the Ducks. 
they gave us you know the best they can and that's all we can uh, hope for so I wish uh, all these players the best. Um, Miller is really surprising, but like you said, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about him a little bit later. But I'm really surprised that uh, Miller is not signed to the Ducks yet. Yeah, definitely. Uh, talking about the defense, like you said with Delzato, I mean, you look at the Ducks, right? We talked about their top four. Fowler, Lindholm, Manson, Shattenkirk, pretty locked down. Then you look, there's really a log jam for those five, six, seven spots, right? You have Larson, who we talked about, didn't necessarily have a great year last year. He's still in the mix. Uh, you have Cody Curran that they brought in, right? The 30-year-old defenseman that really wants to prove himself. You have to see where he's at. You have Juice, who's a guy that you and I really like, not just because of his name, but we, you know, we like him as well. And they have a couple other guys in there. You know, don't forget we had Gooley last year, which some people liked and some people didn't. Um, he was kind of inconsistent, but he's in there. You have Walensky they brought back, Hakapa, Mahura. So there's a ton of people to compete for those bottom spots. So that's why I see uh, Delzato didn't come back. I, and I agree with you, though. I, I, I wish he would have. And then and it's kind of the same thing with Sherwood. There's a lot of forwards that are kind of fighting out for spots. But I, I thought maybe Sherwood would have come back. But unfortunately, he did not. So these are the guys that are out there, as we mentioned. Um, you know, about a third or half have signed with other teams. Some are playing in Europe and whatnot. So uh, obviously, these guys are gone. The Ducks aren't going to bring anybody back. So... Uh, once the dust settled from the draft and and pretty much the free agency, I mean, obviously there's you know still some more moves that could be made here or there or whatnot. But you know the the first several days or I call the first 48 hours where most of the moves are uh, you know basically uh, you know determined and made. Um, Bob Murray then had his uh, hockey hot stove uh, with Brian Hayward, and I've gone to all of them. Uh, usually they're in person. This year it was virtually. And he talked about some of this stuff on there. I'm not going to go over all of it, or, or this show would probably be two hours long. But if you didn't read the article, go on there uh, on ducksandpucks.com. I, I lay out all of it on there. They even also had the Ducks' two first-round uh, draft picks, Drysdale and Perot, on there too. So there's some comments from them as well. If you missed it, please go on there and check it out. But I thought the interesting thing, the comment that came out that was maybe the most controversial or got the most news was also reposted by a couple other places as well was he talked about Shattenkirk and Murray said that Shattenkirk learned how to win in Tampa Bay and he wants to win again and so that drew a lot of like comments from a lot of people because they're like talking about the Ducks and they're like well wait a sec so Shattenkirk came to Anaheim because he wants to win now but we've kind of been under this impression that the Ducks have been a rebuild or a retool. So how are they a win now and not a win later team? Kind of kind of an interesting thing. It makes a little bit more sense when Eddie posted that article with Shattenkirk talking uh, about Fowler and their friendship. So that kind of added in there. But it is kind of something to look at and go, okay, win now. I, I mean, it's, I don't know. This team, it's interesting. Like I said, I like the defensive structure of this team. I, I think you got a top four lockdown. You got plenty of guys to compete for the bottom third pairing. We have Gibson and Nett. That's not going to change. Still got to figure out the the backup goalie, which I'll get to in a second. But um, it's just interesting to see how this team is. My biggest concern, Eddie, is the offense and, of course, the power play. Obviously, Murray tried to address the power play in the draft and the free agency. Uh, It just seems like he's gotten a lot of these younger players that have done well in the AHL, and I don't know how they're going to do in the NHL, like we talked about, Letary did well, right? He brings in Drysdale's uh, teammate, Goulon, who's done well there. 
Also, we know during the summer he brought in uh, Bryce Kendop, who did well also in the HL. And you got these guys that have scored well in minor leagues, but I don't know how they're going to do in the NHL level. And then Murray also talked about the other guys, and he, he didn't want to mention names, but he said some of the younger players need to go off uh, this upcoming season. He's hoping you know that that'll happen. And, and, and if you look at the players that are out there, I mean, it's got to be... One or two of, you know, Sam Steele, Max Jones, uh, Troy Terry, uh, even Sonny Milano they brought in, who we liked as well. So, I mean, he's got to be talking about those guys and hoping that, that they're going to come out there and produce. Uh, even uh, you have Lundstrom as well. So, I mean, there's these guys uh, that are, you know, in the system here. Uh, also, one of our favorites, Comtois as well, who did, you know, obviously pretty well when he came up, right, until he got hurt. Uh, so, there's a lot of guys that... Can I, I don't know. It's just it's a weird situation where the Ducks are at right now. I, I think they can definitely do better next season. But if your definition of win now is win a Stanley Cup, there's no way. This team is not a Stanley Cup team. If your definition of win now is to be a team that can compete every night and possibly make the playoffs, then okay, I can see that. So I, I really think it, it depends on what your definition is of win now, Eddie. Oh, yeah, and I really think he's talking about uh, Jones, Terry, Steele, Milano, all those four guys, they have so much potential, and they need a play to it. Uh, uh, Terry, uh, Terry, Jones, Steele, Milano, like all those players, they should be top six, uh, and hopefully one of them a top forward in the NHL. Um, we're just seeing them slowly, slowly inching their way there, but it has to be a significant change if the Ducks want to make any damage. And then let's say all these four players and Silverberg and Henrik uh, regain their form and, and do as good as they did last season. You have to really think and, and watch the playoffs and look. You have a team like Dallas that made it to the Stanley Cup final. They beat a team uh, like the Avalanche, which was a powerhouse team. They had some genuine, they have three superstars in their team, including a defenseman, a superstar. It's an unreal team. The only issue they had was uh, their goalies got hurt. But Dallas beat the living shit out of the Avalanche. Just hit after hit. I think one game they hit them like... It was almost 70 to like 25 in the hits. They just beat down their opponents. They had that, that, that playoff team that you wanted. And I was so surprised that Dallas didn't win the cup. They just... They were depleted. Like just the way they played, they just couldn't sustain that through the four rounds. And and Tampa Bay exposed it. Tampa Bay had uh, a lot more firepower, and then Tampa Bay responded with that same physicality to them. And once you do that to them, they're pretty much done. The Ducks don't really have that. You have, I think, Delorier is probably the the only guy that can actually throw it out physically and dish it out like that. But you can't respond uh, to one player like that. Uh, you had. You know, Jamie, Ben, Taylor, uh, Sagan, those top players dishing out those those hard physical play too. It's just I, I can't see the Ducks. Uh, I can't see the Ducks going for that Stanley Cup. It's the the win now thing. I get it. I I, I know what you're trying to do. You're just trying to pump everybody up. You don't want to bring everyone down. Let's be realistic. Let's have a realistic goal for the Ducks next season. Yeah, I don't want the Ducks to go in the first round and get bounced out. I don't want them to get in the second round and get bounced out. Like, what does that do for the Ducks long term? Nothing. It just gets them a kind of a mid-tier draft pick. No, let's just 
Let's just play our game one game at a time. Let's improve. We have special teams problems. We have uh, players that aren't reaching their full potential. Let's work on those little things. Let's build that foundation. And then let's start building our team that way. And once we figure out that foundation, figure out that identity, get our players to play into their full potential and know what we have with them, then let's start saying, hey, let's get win now mentality. Let, let's get that cup mentality. Let's bring back that team that can win the freaking Stanley Cup. Teams like St. Louis, teams like Dallas. Um, obviously, we're not going to have a team like Tampa Bay. They were just completely stacked. I mean, knock on wood, I really hope we do. But we need that that grittiness of St. Louis and kind of a Dallas style to win the Stanley Cup in the near future. But let's just have that identity. I'm tired of, like I said before, this is, I'll talk bad about Murray again. You say whatever we want to hear, and yes, you're a great talker, and yeah, it, it sounds good when you say it. You know, I was running for, what, 7th or 8th grade class president. I'm going to eliminate recess, or I'm going to eliminate classes, recess for all, uh, <laughs> no more algebra, whatever. Everyone's getting all hyped up, yeah, Ferraris for everybody. <laughs> like, no, let's be freaking realistic. Right now, the Ducks are kind of in limbo. I mean, we're not as bad as, like, the Sharks have a way better team on paper. they just been... <laughs> crapping the bed all the time but let's just figure out the little things first let's fix the the little small problems you can't just try to just go from you know a to z let's go a b c d e let's start from the beginning and build that foundation and then figure out what we have and then start going yes like i said once again i repeat we're not going to be like tampa bay the stack house they have we're not going to be like vegas we'll talk about them later the stack team they have we're going to be one of those teams like the st louis blues and dallas stars are going to inch their way and crawl and earn every second of the game they get to actually advance to the stanley cup final yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you 100% more. I mean, the way that next season's going to go, uh, it, that's what it's looking at. I mean, unless there's other changes made and other things. And we have some fan questions you guys throw out to us. And there's some there's some stuff that Eddie and I will throw out that the team could do to get even a little bit better. So we'll talk about that in a second. But I threw it out to you guys on social media. And this poll cracked me up because usually the polls are, you know, pretty much... I don't know. There, there's usually one way that most of you, the listener and Ducks fans, go towards. And, and this one was pretty crazy. So I threw out, you know, as the team stands now, how do you think they'll do next season? And I put make the playoffs, miss the playoffs. And then I threw in my famous Waterboy quote, oh, no, we suck again. Right. And so <laughs> it was 35 percent said we'd make the playoffs. Thirty seven said we wouldn't. And then 28 said we would you know, suck again. So I thought that was interesting. It's almost, you know, a third across the board on there. And I'm with Eddie. I, I mean, to me, I think the Ducks could make the playoffs. I really do. I think they have a strong uh, defense of core. Uh, you know, I think Gibson's fine in net. They stay healthy. They're good. Um, they do have things to work on, like Eddie talked about. They have to work on the power play. They have to work on scoring. They were just terrible last year, and they weren't much better the year before. So if they can get those things going, I think they can. So I'm in the group that says I think they can make the playoffs. Now, what do I feel? I don't want them to make the playoffs, like Eddie said, and they just get knocked out right away. If they're going to play and it's just going to be a whatever season next year, then be a whatever season. Get these young guys in there. Get them experience. You know, figure it out. You know, uh, even uh, Murray talked about Zegers playing some games next season. I know a lot of people are hyped on him. Hell, throw him out there. Get get these guys out there. Get some experience. Let's do this. Um, but I, I think that's really what the season's going to be next year. So in terms of win now, 
making the playoffs, okay, I can maybe see it. But as far as being a contending team and, and competing, I think it's going to be very, very difficult um, come next year. Unless, like I said, Eddie and I will have some recommendations. We'll talk about some fan questions in a little bit. But I, I'm with you, Eddie. I think this team is a team that either barely makes the playoffs or barely misses the playoffs. Yeah, and I'm I'm not over here saying like, hey, I want the Ducks to drop every game to lose, not skate. No, I want improvements. I want uh, more consistency in play. I want everyone to step up and just I want to start like I said, building that foundation to the team that we need. It, it, it's not going to be instant, and and I know a lot of people are so sold on Patrick Line uh, coming to the Ducks and getting him, but he one player is not going to make a difference. He's not. I mean, look at McDavid and Drysaddle. You have two of the, our, our, the top five players in the world on one team, and they still can't get it together. So I, I just don't want the Ducks to be in that that situation. Let's let's just let's start from the the beginning and go up from there. It, it's, yeah, it's not going to be pretty at times, and they're going to make mistakes. But you know, you learn from your mistakes, and as long as you don't keep making those mistakes over and over again, <clears throat> the power play. Then uh, maybe we can build from there. Shattenkirk, it should spark something in the power play. Uh, we should have more offensive numbers and, and kind of improve on that aspect. But the whole thing I want for the Ducks, yeah, I want them to go and win the Stanley Cup. I'll go crazy. I'll go nuts. I'll probably be OV drunk for the next few months. <laughs> Who knows? I didn't even make that rhyme, but it sounded pretty good. But it, I, I'm just living in a, a realistic world. It's The chances of that happening is it, really slim. Um, we don't have that many guys that we're going to throw the body around. If, if you run in a team like Dallas where they were just hit first, ask questions later, and then shoot the puck, and then for some reason they score, then that, that's totally different. But I'm content with the Ducks just um, just improving. That's all I want them to do, improve. I, I want everything on the board improve. Um, obviously, the power play, which is atrocious, th- th- that needs some work. Uh, we hate, we've, we brought in Shattenkirk. He seems to love to shoot the puck, and he likes to create uh, opportunities and, and open up the game a little bit more. So we should see a little bit more uh, scoring on the power play. Um, I want to see our young guns that I mentioned before. I want them all to rise up to their potential and start scoring more. Troy Terry, you he's an amazing player. He, he, can, he can move around. He can get past people. It just sometimes seems like he holds on to the puck a little too long. You know, just fire that puck on net. At this point, who knows what's going to happen. It might go in. It might uh, deflect off the goalie. You have a rebound opportunity for someone else there. Just shoot the damn puck a little bit more. And I'm not one of those fans who are sitting there banging a glass. Shoot the puck. Shoot the puck during warm-up or anything like that. Just saying. Where the Ducks were like, toward the bottom of the league and shots on goal. Uh, they have to do something different, and they have to improve. And I think the next season, and it's it's probably going to be a shortened season too. Let's take that and use that to our advantage, and let's kind of speed up this rebuilding process and and get everyone that experience so we can actually compete for a Stanley Cup. Well, and another part of that competing too is the Ducks. <clears throat> they have to figure out what their backup goalie situation is going to be. Um, and, and there was a little bit of update on that, and we had some fan questions too. We had the uh, Spencer. Uh, CD and the real Jack ESKO on, on Instagram ask about you know backup options. Um, you know, do we sign someone else? Uh, you know, do we grab one? Uh, you know, from the inside, basically, we just you know go from what what we've got. So the, the update lately was uh, at the hockey hot stove. Miller's uh, agent has been talking to Bob Murray. Uh, Miller's also been coming in and practicing with the guys. 
uh, Murray unveiled that as well. But he said that he's keeping it open. He's kind of been patient with Miller and what he wants to do. Then uh, the Athletics, uh, Pierre Lebrun, he puts out an article saying that Miller could be exploring options with Detroit, Las Vegas, and Washington. So then there's that that comes out. It sounds like it's the opposite of what Murray's saying. So now it's like, well, what the fuck is going on, right? Because you're kind of like, okay, we have this side from Hayward and, and Murray and the hot stove, and now we have this article. So um, it sounds like Miller wants to play, and that's what he said. That was the quote that um, he told uh, Pierre Lebrun in a text, that he's, he's, you know, he's still ready to come back and, and give it a go at least one more year. So... He's coming back, I, I, it sounds like, pretty sure, but the question is where? I, um, I don't really see Detroit Washington too much. I mean, he, he said before that he wants to stay in California or at least close to California. I don't know if San Jose, LA, I don't know if those would be options. I mean, maybe Vegas. Uh, Lanier's got that shoulder surgery now, kind of putting them in a little bit of a bind. Uh, you know, Who knows if, if he'll be ready to go come the you know, beginning of the season. So there's that option there as well. Um, but this one, I would like Miller to come back, Eddie, but I wouldn't be upset if he didn't. If he didn't, then maybe the Ducks go with Stolarz, uh, you know, and just keep it that way. Because, you know, like we said, the cap situation is kind of crazy uh, right now. So I think the Ducks do have options. I think that's why Murray is staying patient, though a lot of the goalies have, you know, gotten picked up in this last week or so. Yeah, it's kind of interesting for Miller. I, I thought, and my understanding was, the Ducks were being patient and are waiting to him making his decision. Now we have two conflicting stories, so we have no idea what's going on. Um, I think it's ideal for Miller to come back, uh, play for the Ducks. He, he did well in that backup role. But then again, I wouldn't be upset. I mean, we would a little bit emotionally be upset because I, I like Miller. and he's He was my favorite like one of my favorite goalies when he was in Buffalo, and he played for Team USA. So um, I have a, a picture of you know a painted picture of him. So yeah, emotionally that would kind of like irritate me a little bit. But business wise, it wouldn't really matter. I think Stolarz uh, is more than capable of handling a backup role. Um, hopefully he is. Who knows? Knock on wood. I don't want to say this. Everyone gets mad at me after. But um, it just with Washington and Detroit, it doesn't make sense. Uh, Washington has they have um, Samsonov, that's uh, their projected number one goalie, and then they just sign a Hendrik Lundqvist. Uh, he's their you know I guess their their one their one B option. They're pretty much stacked. So Miller would be the the third goalie in that tandem, and then come to Detroit, they have uh, Thomas Grice had just signed. And they have Bernier, who hasn't been playing that bad for Detroit. So it's going to be kind of those the situations where where does he fit in in either of those teams? Uh, he mentioned before he wants to stay close to the, the Hollywood area, Los Angeles area, because of his uh, his wife's an actress and his family, which is understandable. It's family first. I, I just can't see uh, those two teams being there. Vegas, maybe it's not that that far away from Los Angeles. It's about. You know, if you drive like me and my friends do, my friends and I, we get there like three and a half hours. But but having Leonard and, and Marc-Andre Fleury, it's just once they come back healthy, he's that third goalie. And I think he's better than that just to be a, a third or AHL goalie. I don't think he would he would want that. It's I, It just seems like either he's going to sign with the Ducks or he's not going to sign at all. Or maybe with the Kings. Kings have Cal Peterson. As a backup, but uh, having Ryan Miller would be a definitely upgrade for him. Cal Peterson has been one of those goalies that's 
kind of just inconsistent. Uh, having that, or who knows, maybe San Diego or uh, Ontario Rain. I don't want to say that to a caliber uh, goalie like Miller. I think he deserves better than that. It's just one of those situations that's really weird, and you don't know what's going on. You have one side saying this, one side saying that. And obviously there's someone that's that's telling the truth, someone that's telling the the not truth. But regardless, um, if, if Miller does not come back to the Ducks, yeah, like I said, emotionally it's going to be sad. But we do have Stolars. And with Stolars, too, uh, he, he has decent numbers. And if he comes back and tears up the the backup role, then you know what? Then Miller's, or I'm sorry, Gibson's traded. He's done. I'm just kidding, guys. <laughs> I know some people got all upset <laughs> right now, ready to go off. Like, oh, screw this. No, definitely. Uh, no, Gibson's the, gil- uh, the goalie of the future. and it, There's no way Stolarz will ever uh, reach that level. But let's say he comes in the backup role. He plays really well. Uh, he, he gains some, I, I guess, some traction going on. And he, he gets some, some value. Well, come trade deadline, we can go and trade him to a contender. If it's an injury or someone's looking for a, a capable backup, then boom, we could just we bought low and we just sold high. We could bring up someone to back up Gibson and expose him to the expansion draft, which most likely there's going to be a lot of goalies being exposed, and we're not going to lose one. It, it, it's kind of a win-win for the Ducks, either if they sign him or not, or I'm, I'm sorry, if they sign Miller or not. It's, it's going to be a win-win for the Ducks regardless. And Murray kind of alluded to that too in the hockey hot stove. He said, "Hey, you know, with the expansion draft, it's not really going to matter in the backup situation." Uh, as far as protecting the goalie. So, as you said, that's true. He That's why I think he's keeping an open mind. Uh, going back to their fan question, too, if you're looking at the free agents uh, for the goalies on Cap Friendly, the only viable option, really, that would be comparable to Ryan Miller would be Aaron Dell. Uh, Aaron Dell cost uh, $1.6 million last year. Had similar numbers, same uh, save percentage as Miller, uh, 907. And then his uh, goals against was 3.01. The only other ones left around there, which are going to cost you know probably too much, are Mike Condon, Jimmy Howard, Craig Anderson, and Corey Snyder, who's supposed to sign pretty soon here. Anyways, so there's not really uh, that many options. I mean, there were goalie options before when the um, free agency started, but a lot of them got picked up and found homes already. So I really think it's, the overall answer here is uh, they're either going to sign Ryan Miller or not, and they're going to go with Stolarz. So I, I think that's what you got to look for in the goalie situation. And one other kind of key thing, speaking about uncertainty next season uh, that uh, Bob Murray talked about uh, is, you know, what's going to happen? Eddie kind of alluded to it as far as the games, and this kind of affects, too, how we think the Ducks will do as well. Um, It's interesting. Murray talked about uh, having maybe, you know, this bubble thing with the hub cities again. He also talked about the Canadian-U.S. border and the issues with COVID with that. Um, and he said there's a lot of ideas being thrown around, even possibly having different teams in different divisions because of this uh, whole thing. So who knows what's going to happen next season? Uh, they said it was going to start originally in December. Now they're saying it's going to be New Year's Day. Uh, there's so much stuff going up in the air. But all this also is going to affect how the Ducks are going to do. I, I think, like Eddie said, if some of the divisions get rearranged and... The Ducks don't have to compete with these certain teams like Vancouver, Edmonton, and Calgary if they say they do get moved for some weird reason. Again, this is all just hypothetical. This is just what Murray started talking about in the hockey hot stove, which I, I thought was interesting. I was just like, whoa, we're getting pretty crazy here with this this next season. I, I figured it would be a shortened season for sure, but he was talking about all this other stuff, um, again, which is in the article if you didn't read it. So I think that's going to play into it too, Eddie. 
with how you know how next season goes. I just want hockey to come back. You know, obviously the playoffs you know was exciting. Like we said, there's a lot of hockey for a couple of weeks, and they're able to get it done, which was fantastic. But I'm really ready to get the season back and going, and um, it's just uh, just gonna have to wait and see at this point what's gonna happen. Uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts that you wanted to add, Eddie. Uh, as as now we're going into the you know official off season for the next couple of months you know off season in October which is kind of weird. Yeah, I um, I f and miss hockey and I'm gonna I'm gonna blurt that out because you used the only f word we can use in the show. But I I really miss going to games. I'm seeing my memories at being at games. I miss seeing everybody. Uh, I, I know Jen uh, Jen Franklin's one. That's that's when we see her. It's always. Like, like, like just like everything's smiling. She has Kesper, and it's always a really fun interaction with her and, and everyone else. I just walk around and I meet random people. Like, oh, you're Argonzo, and oh, you're so and so. We just we have that that connection and that kind of friendship, and it just it feels like home to me. It feels great to be there. Just in that environment, walking in, just seeing everything. I, I really miss going to games. It's it's like a, it's like a drug for me. I'm withdrawing off off not going to games. And with the situation that we're in right now, we, we don't know when fans are going to go to games. Um, I love going to games as, as well as a lot of other fans do. So I just, that's the only one thing I want to add to it. Just, I, I'm looking forward to getting the season rolling. I'm looking forward to seeing the Ducks on the ice. It's been been a, a while since we've seen them. Um, it, the only thing we get is like when we watch Instagram stories and they're just playing some ball hockey or working out. That's the only interaction with the Ducks that we have. But I've just I, I really can't wait till this situation gets figured out and the season starts rolling and at, at minimum we can just go ahead and, and watch some games. Yeah, exactly. I mean that's the biggest thing. Just get back to the regular season and and you know watch them play. Uh, hopefully in some kind of fashion, whether there's fans or not, which is a whole another issue. But Looking at what happened to the free agency too, and this factors in with the you know the Ducks win now, win later uh, philosophy. Uh, the Pacific Division was pretty busy uh, this last week, and, and and whether or not these you know Canadian teams get moved out or however this is going to work, uh, it, it's going to be uh, tough, I think, for the Ducks. I, this is where I kind of lean towards them not making the playoffs, Eddie. And I, I know you got these uh, transactions to to talk about. Um, that happened, especially the big one that just came out with uh, Petrangelo going to Vegas. So that's going to make them even stronger. But I, I think the Pacific's going to be, uh, you know, just more tough. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, it's going to be a rough road, I think, for Anaheim next season. Oh, I definitely agree with you. Uh, before I get to that, though, I want to throw out this, Mike. Um, I know it's kind of an up and down kind of relationship with the Ducks. We don't know what's going to go on. We don't know uh, what's going to happen, playoffs or not. I do want to mention some really great news. EA Sports released their top 50 rankings, and John Gibson was uh, 90th overall, was number 23 out of 50. He's the second best goalie in the game, only behind Andre Vasilevsky, which is ranked number 11, which is a it's kind of a bragging moment for the Ducks. And just thinking about it too, uh, NHL 21 is coming out their new game. So what I'm going to go ahead and do is I'm going to buy two codes, one for the PS4, one for the Xbox 360, and I'm going to give them away on social media, uh, uh, courtesy of Ducks and Pucks. So uh, I think the, the game is supposed to be released this week. So I'll go ahead and get those codes this weekend, and I will do a little uh, graphic, 
and I'll um, you know just go retweet, share, or tag your friends, and we'll give them away. Uh, one code for the PS4, and one code for the Xbox 360. There you go. That's something to look forward to in the off season for sure. There we go. You know yeah. what I mean? And I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm with you as far as uh, uh, Gibson being ranked up high, and I think, like we said, the defense is going to help out. But I don't know, man. The, the, some of these moves that the Pacific's doing. Um, you know, regardless how the season's going to be, I, I think it's going to be, a, a, you know, a very competitive in the Pacific Division, or whatever it is next season. Oh, yeah, Canucks, uh, they signed Holtby to a two-year deal. Uh, he's still a really capable uh, number one goalie. He, he's won the Stanley Cup, and he, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with unless you give up a six-goal lead on him, and then the Ducks can come back and win that. <laughs> I still remember that game from years ago. I can tell you exactly where I was at that Shogun restaurant when that happened, so that was kind of cool. The Oilers did take a gamble on Kyle Turris. He was uh, he was in Nashville. He didn't really pan out there, but I still can, can see him having some success and having some hockey left in him. So look for him. They also uh, re-signed Mike Smith when they lost out on the Markstrom deal. And Tyson Berry, surprisingly, signed a, a, a low one-year prove-it deal to them. Um, for the amount that he cost, it, uh, I was looking for, or he, he could have signed with the Ducks, but we got Shattenkirk, and I think Shattenkirk's going to work out for us a lot better. Um, f- the Flames did sign Chris Tanev, uh, a former Canucks player. If I'm saying his name wrong, I don't care because it's not the Ducks and it's a Pacific Division and the Flames are kind of lame. <laughs> so they did sign him to a four-year deal. But they did sign Jacob Markstrom. He's going to be the the question mark. He had a great season with the Canucks. So we're going to see uh, well, well, how he pans out, what he does. They had uh, Demko that played really well in the playoffs and was, uh, I guess, solidified that number one spot. So we're going to see what goes on there. The Golden Knights were the team of the Pacific that everyone's talking about. They signed Pechangelo to a seven-year, $61.6 million deal. They just got extremely dangerous and probably shot up uh, to be that number one team to win the Stanley Cup next season. They are not playing around. They did trade Nate Smith to the Canucks as well just to shed some cap space. And they did get rid of Paul Stastny for that reason, which they're their best face-off person. So I think the only, I think the only bad thing about their team and the the the, the biggest um, not strength but uh, weakness in their team is face-offs because they don't really have a, a person that's really that good at face-offs. But holy crap, Mike, the Golden Knights just got scary. Uh, Barry to the Oilers. It's it was kind of shocking, but it makes sense. He's going to be playing with the uh, Dry or not Dry I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Dry and Connor McDavid. Those two players can put up points and kind of and kind of make you seem better than you are. So maybe his next payday is going to kind of bank off getting points off them. I think uh, the, the best thing to talk about right now is the Golden Knights signing him. They they just. I don't know where they're getting this money, if, if they're just gambling and winning more money and being able to, to, to raise that cap. But it's just, I think that was a, the most notable transaction of the Pacific Division. I mean, yeah, you have the Kings. Uh, the Kings didn't really, they signed Elias Anderson from the Rangers. He was the player, uh, the, the Swedish player that threw his silver medal uh, in the crowd. He's infamous for that. He also, uh, during opening night, he tripped over the wire 
and he had the Sharks bringing back uh, Nieto and Marlowe, but I think the biggest question is the Golden Knights. It's it's either a, a, it's a winner or a bust. You you went all in, so they're they're pretty much living up to their Vegas name and gambling. Yeah, the Knights are going to be scary. You know, they they made some moves for sure, and I think that's a, definitely a team to watch. Uh, you know, your Avalanche made some moves as well. They're another team uh, to look for in the in the you know the Western Conference as well. Uh, it, those those guys are going for it, you know, and I mean they both went deep in the playoffs, so I, I mean I expect them to both be up there uh, next season uh, for sure. And then um, there are a couple other deals in there. This kind of goes in the whole win win it now mentality too, I guess Eddie. We could talk about, but you know you had uh, Hall doing the one year deal in Buffalo for eight million, but I mean I don't think Buffalo's going to win it all. But I'll let you weigh on on that in a second because I know you got a theory on that. Um, Bobby Ryan did a one-year deal in Detroit. That that was kind of weird, but then he does live close by there. Um, so you had a couple of these things where guys are doing these deals, and you were like, okay, well, they're talking about wanting to be on a team that's going to win it, and then they did this, so I really don't know. Um, but I'll, I'll let you chime in in a second. You had uh, Mikko Koivu did a year with Columbus. Uh, Tory Krug uh, went with the Blues with you know a seven-year deal at $6.5 so that was one of the bigger signings. And you already mentioned Lundqvist earlier in the show as well. So... Those are some of the other uh, moves out there. I know there's some other trades uh, that we kind of mentioned too. I'll let you talk about those as well. But overall, it, it seems like to me that uh, at least in the you know Western Conference that Colorado and Vegas are the teams that loaded up. Uh, like you said, the Sharks did get uh, Dubnik and Donato in different transactions for some picks. Uh, the Kings uh, got Olimata. Uh, from Chicago for a prospect as well, but let's face it, the Kings and the Sharks are going to suck next year. I'm just saying that they probably watch; they'll turn around, and do great, but I, I think they'll be terrible. Um, you know, I think the Ducks can still be better than them. Um, but what are your thoughts? I know there's some other trades, or if you want to talk about some of these, you know, one-year deals that were kind of signed, you know, kind of interesting, you know, movement. You know, it was actually, you know, a lot of stuff did happen this last week. They did, did talk about because of you know everything going on in the world and the uncertainty and the cap not moving that that some moves were not made as much as before but i still thought this last week was pretty interesting with some of these trades and pickups oh yeah and first of all i just want to throw out uh, bobby ryan uh it's gonna suck to kind of cheer for detroit but i wish him all the best of luck and i hope he has a great season i hope he uh he just bounces back from that adversity and he can come next season and sign a bigger deal somewhere else uh, he's a great guy i think i think 99.9 percent of ducks fans uh love him and they, they still support him which is good so I, I wish him all the best um with with the wild i don't know what the hell they're doing over there i don't know what the hell they're smoking but you know i'm glad they're doing it i hate the wild more than than any team in the nhl but letting miko koivu walk he wasn't a problem with your team he was your longtime captain that's gonna be bad now, Hall is the... Oh, okay, before I get the Hall, hold on. Tory Krug signed with the Blues, seven-year deal, which was kind of funny because Robert Thomas from the Blues posted a picture and hit the clip of Tory Krug hitting him in the Stanley Cup final when the Blues Yes. Won. And he said, hey, did we come? Did we just become best friends? And Tory Krug posted the stepbrothers clip saying, yeah, <laughs> I think this is the reason why I love hockey because these players can do that. It's just... Everyone's talking about, oh, wait, they, they signed Krug. Krug hit Thomas, and 
fans are making a big deal, media's making a big deal, trying to like build up a story. And no, these players shut it down and joked about it. It was just the greatest thing in the world. It made me laugh, and I, I posted that on my personal social media. Like, this is why I love the game. These players are so classic. Awesome. Yeah. Now, he, he, here's the weird thing: Hall signs in Buffalo. He wants to win. He wants to sign with the contender. He signs an eight, a eight one year eight million dollar deal with Buffalo. At first, everyone's fl- like flipping out. What, what's going on? But then I stopped and thought about it. I read that the Avalanche offered him like around six million dollars to sign for one year. He's signing with Buffalo one year, eight million dollars. Obviously, Buffalo is not going to make the playoffs. They're going to be sellers to the trade deadline, like they always are. So, what does that mean for Hall? Hall's going to be traded to a contending team and still get that eight million dollar cap hit. Obviously, that team acquiring him is going to have a, a much lower cap hit, but he still gets the dollar amount that he wants. But it doesn't have to, you know, if that makes sense. It doesn't have to like sign with the team. It's taking a chance, and I don't know. It's kind of weird. But uh, I think it's a smart move for Hall. I think he's a little bit overrated, and I, I follow the Avs closely too. I run the Denver Avs page. Um, I, I don't. I, I didn't want Hall to the Avs, and I, I made that clear to uh, when I posted on the Denver Avs social media that I don't think that he's going to be that player that can push the Avs to win the Stanley Cup. I, I just no, too many Chiefs, not enough Indians. If you guys heard that quote, so. Um, Moving forward, back to Ryan, too. I think it's no pressure for him in Detroit. Uh, obviously, Detroit's not projected to to make a Stanley Cup uh, appearance. They're projected to be in that bottom that bottom role team. He had a good uh, conversation, a 45-minute Zoom conversation with Geiserman, and apparently they both were on the same page. So uh, I mean, it's good for him. Like I said again, you know, I wish him all the best, and unfortunately I have to cheer for Detroit a little bit. So that's going to be weird. Um, Colorado made some acquisitions that significantly boosted their team. They acquired for Brandon Saad and they got Devin to- uh, Taves, not relation to Jonathan Taves, from the Islanders. Uh, Lou uh, Lomorello, Lo- I'm butchering his name, but I don't care. He's not the like, Ducks GM. He didn't want to trade him, but unfortunately, uh, this player had a significant stride in the playoffs. He's, he's been well for the last two seasons for the Islanders, and he's do a significant raise so he's in a file he filed for arbitration and islanders probably weren't going to be able to to solidify him and sign him for the contract they wanted so they had to let him go um another uh, big trade that happened was uh, the senators acquired matt murray he did sign an extension with them and the blue jackets again they uh traded for max domi i kind of a little bit wanted max domi to come to the ducks i think he would fit that style he has that gritty that physicality that I think that uh, that that fits that dirty duck style. Obviously, I knew it wasn't going to happen, but you know I, I'm good for him. Um, if you guys don't know Max Domi story. He's the guy. Uh, he has to wear that machine because he has a uh, diabetes. But he's one of those players where kids can look up to if they have diabetes and, and they're they're playing hockey. They have that kind of I don't know if it's kind of a, considered a disability, but something holding them back he, he's one of those outliers that proves that no matter what you have that you can just uh, rise forward and go and, and have success and, and I, I wish him success and and with the blue jacks as well as uh move uh, rewinding saying uh miko koivu too because i think miko koivu deserves that respect even though he played for a team that i absolutely hate yeah i i know you you talk about the wild and it cracks me up so um, yeah, I mean, some interesting moves, like we talked about. Um, I, I think that Taylor Hall uh, take that you have is, is pretty interesting, I think, to watch that and see what will happen there as well. 
and we'll see what happens. I mean, we'll just we're going to keep trying to do these shows more often as as there's more and more news. So as more stuff comes out about the league as well, we'll cover it. And uh, for really our last segment, we got a lot of uh, fan questions uh, to cover. I think some of them we we did already, but we'll go through some of these and wrap up the show. Uh, we always appreciate that you guys listen. Um, and you submit the fan questions on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and whatnot. And you can also uh, go to uh, patreon.com slash ducks and pucks and become a member and get some free gear as well if you want more stuff. So uh, please do that as well. So uh, I'll go through some of these questions. We've got a bunch. I'll try to get through as many as we can as we're running out of time here. But um, we had one here about Manson. I thought this was interesting. Eddie, uh, we had Ducks fan and John Louie that are on Instagram talking about Manson being moved, uh, you know, that his contract's, you know, favorable and that some people would like to pick him up, that he, he may be trade bait. So I, I thought that was an interesting one. For, for me, it's a no. I would not trade Manson. However, <clears throat> I forgot, I did see a report this week about uh, someone saying that they were kind of dangling him out there to see what kind of offers. So I'm not opposed to that. I mean, if they can throw out a, a, an offer, and and someone will overpay and, and give a lot for him then i'm all for it but um otherwise i i would say no and i i would keep him with the team i agree with you uh he's a he's a top four defender a right shot defender and we only have two of those uh losing him we just become that much weaker on our blue in and we don't have a, a i guess a solidified top four defenseman and if you want to keep uh, trending up and be a better team and try to be a contender soon Losing uh, one of our top four right-handed defensemen isn't the way to go. Uh, we have another one. We kind of talked about this too. This is uh, GSOTS on Instagram talking about, and we hit on this throughout the show, should the Ducks try to sign more players? Uh, they mentioned that the Ducks do not have uh, enough cap space. They're listed on cap friendly as using close to a million on the LTIR. Uh, and there's a log jam of players, which we talked about, especially at the forward, a lot of these fringe players and whatnot, and also the expansion draft. So uh, a lot a lot going on there. We did cover some of this um, earlier in the show. But yeah, the issue with the cap space right now is that um, you, you still have that option to switch over to Kessler's LTIR, which Eddie uh, mentioned a little bit earlier in the show. But you're kind of limited because you, you can't go over 10% of the cap space in the summertime. So... Uh, there's there's kind of that rub in there. Um, that's why kind of Murray did what he did, so that way he still has the option of using um, Kessler's uh, room. You know, you know, come closer to the season if he wants, or if he wants to use some of it now. As right now, he's at, you know one million, so he's kind of he's kind of right there. But um, looking at the players and stuff, I, you know, it's it's tough. I I would like more offense. Eddie and I kind of talked about this before uh, the show. And looking at the free agents that uh, are available on Cap Friendly, um, you know, there's only three 20 goal scorers out there left. You have Mike Hoffman, um, Dandanoff, and uh, Duclair. So those are the guys that are out there. Hoffman and Dandanoff, you know, you're looking at five and a half million, three and a half million. It's, it's, it's too much, right? That's going to put the Ducks in a bind. But the one that Eddie and I agree on, that if the Ducks did want to get somebody, is Duclair. He's uh, you know 1.6 million last year, probably do a little bit of a raise, but uh, that would be the best option. I don't know that the Ducks would do it because of all these young guys in the pipeline that Murray's hoping that would go off. But 
Declares one. I mean, if they want to go out there and get him, you know, that's an option. I don't think they do it, Eddie, but I know you and I talked about it. If they wanted to go pick out one guy to add some offense, I mean, this guy's pretty tenacious. Every time he played the Ducks, he played hard. So um, I, I don't know if they'll do anything else to pick up another, you know, NHL forward. But of the, the ones that are left, that's the, that's my guy. Oh, yeah, I totally agree with you. Um I don't think we, uh, th- that we can have him right now. There's just too many forwards. If we do try to go and pick him up, we're going to have to make a trade and trade someone. So that's the, the hard thing about it. But I think he's the, the most sensible one to pick up for the right cost. I guess one of those buy low thing, kind of high reward kind of thing. He, he's had a, a, a long run. He's had uh, unsuccess in a lot of teams. He finally found success with the Senators, and he's been playing some great hockey. He plays a 200-foot game, and he's pretty quick. I wouldn't be mad if they picked up him, but then again, you have to uh, lose someone, and then if we pick him up for one or two years, then what? And after that, he's just going to leave, and we just got him for nothing, and maybe we uh, we got him. He scores a few game-winning goals, and we move up, and we get that, that lower dra- – or actually not lower, I should say high – well, yeah, lower draft pick. I don't know. I wouldn't be mad if they got him. He's one of the players I would w- want the Ducks to try to go. But at this point, I'm content with what they have right now. Yeah, and I, and I think that's, you know, we had more of those fan questions like that that we kind of answered that were similar. Uh, Tyler J6710 asked that too. What moves can we bring in, you know, uh, for scoring? That was the one we mentioned. Uh, we also talked about the backup goalie. The Ducks have to figure that out. Like we said, if they want to they want to push above, you know, you know, they can stay within that 10%, like we said. Uh, in the off season, but then you got to be careful because you don't want to get too far up there, and then the Ducks are stuck. Because uh, I'm assuming this season is going to be like last season. There's going to be a lot of cap shuffling going on, right? There's going to be a lot of um, bus rides up and down Anaheim and San Diego if if the AHL gets off the ground the way it's supposed to, right? Um, so a lot of flux. So I think Murray's kind of leaving that buffer of Kessler's LTIR because you know if the season was to start today he would be dipping into a million of that already. Um, so I, I, that's why I think not much more is going to happen. Though I've seen some reports out there saying that oh, you know the Ducks might make another move or two here or there. That's true, they might, but they're probably going to be smaller moves, nothing uh, big. So I, I wouldn't get too excited about anything else happening down the road here as far as like significant in terms of this team. And it kind of leads to uh, Paul James, 1987. His question on Instagram is, you know, what do we expect for the Ducks next season? Um, we, we've talked about it in the show before, but going with what we have now, I, I think the pressure is really on a lot of these young forwards, unfortunately. And, and Murray talked about that in the Hockey Hot Stove, and he didn't want to mention names. He only mentioned Max Jones, saying that he's improved. And he said, I'm really expecting a lot of these guys to, you know, step up score more and go off next season and i think that's really that's one of the biggest factors with this team um the other part is is special teams as eddie mentioned i mentioned which is it seems like that was addressed a lot in the free agency in the draft murray kind of focused on that he kind of focused on rebuilding the defense so i i think those parts will be okay with this team but as far as next season I really think the offense is the key, Eddie. I, I think if if some of these younger guys can step up and we're not just relying on Henrique and, and, and Raquel and Silverberg, um, this team could be deadly. But, uh, you know, again, I, I just don't see this team being, you know, a contending team. No, and with the exception of Getzloff, Silverberg, Henrique, uh, you really, and, and, and I guess Raquel, you can't ask 
any of those players step up. It's just the Ducks have a lot of young guns and they drafted well. And these these young guns need to stop. I guess I guess playing the role of superstar and try to kind of go for that. You know, you haven't really earned shit in the NHL. Like you, you've been playing one two seasons and you think you're badass. Hell no. You need to get up and put those points up there. You need to perform for us. You need to perform for your team. Uh, Herb Brooks said it. That that jersey, that logo on the front's more important than the name on the back. You need to start playing like it. Uh, I'm tired of seeing half-ass playing from rookies, especially. Yeah, I get it from players like Getzoff. If, if you know, I don't like seeing that. Which you know what? You know, scratch that. Getzoff really never does that. He, he just he he plays the game the best of his ability. It just I I, I don't know. I, I'm sounding off on these rookies now because it just seems, especially when Getzoff was talking on, on that one show, I think Spit and Chicklets, how these rookies uh, feel a lot more comfortable and, and I guess more comfortable than when he came into the league. It just it doesn't work that way. No, you have to get up and earn the spot. All because you make the opening night roster doesn't make you shit. You need to go and start performing. Uh, if not, you know what? I think it's time to go. Uh, I'm tired of wasting time and just having these players underperform. No, we have to step up. We have to start building that foundation. We have to start getting to that point where we're going to be competitive. We're going to you know, try to win the Stanley Cup, not just be content with being in the NHL and, and trying to flex your muscles like, hey, I'm an NHL hockey player. That, that's good enough. Hell no, it shouldn't be good enough. You should be trying to get that that next mark. That you know, you, you should be aiming for twenty goals. And when you get twenty goals, you should be trying to aim for thirty. And when you get thirty, you should for forty, and just up and up and up. You should be the best player you can possibly be, and not just be content because of being up with the Ducks. It's just getting really frustrating seeing these players do that, and especially hearing Getzoff talk about how these players had um, kind of felt a little more comfortable than they should be. Sorry, I'm sounding off a little bit. I just, I'm tired of uh, of people thinking they earn a spot when when they're still rookies and they don't really have that 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 spot to earn. Well, and that's come up a couple times too. Uh, Murray's talked about that, uh, like you said. Getzloff's talked about that as well, and uh, Murray also talked about being a little bit more involved with Dallas Akins and in the locker room and whatnot too. So. I think the pressure's really on for a lot of these young guys. Uh, they're going to have to put up or shut up next season. I mean, some of them have been up there, and they've done okay, like you said. They're not they're not playing poorly, but, I mean, some of these guys, I, I, I honestly, like, for me, Max Jones, he really hasn't done as much as I expected offensively. He just hasn't, unfortunately. And I, I'm not trying to call him out. I'm just saying he was hyped up so much, and, I, I mean, He's, he's playing good, but I, I think he can do better, you know. Um, th- that's just my take on him, and I think some of the other guys can chip in too. Um, I'd like to see Comtois come back up. He, you know, he did amazing if he can stay up there for a long time. I think Terry and Steele are kind of on the border ready to break out too, hopefully. And that's where they're at. A lot of guys, I think, are on this edge. And then Murray brought up these uh, or picked up these younger guys too that have done really well in the minors that could jump up there and maybe compete for bottom six role. So, I mean, I I look at it kind of like you do, you know, old school, like, hey, you know, you guys got to do X, Y, and Z. But then I'm also excited, too, because he did bring in a bunch of younger guys as well. And I think there's a potential for some of these guys um, to do well next season. So, you know, I'm looking at it a little bit more optimistic, but definitely the hammer is going to be, I think, down um, for the Ducks come next season. I mean, that's just the way it's going to be. Um, so we're, we're going to have to see how they do. I, I'm hoping that some of these young guys do go off like Murray is hoping. Um, some of the other questions, we had another one about, uh, let's see, from Hunt J. Justin 24 on Instagram, talks about Perot and Drysdale. 
Will they be in Ducks uniforms this season? You know, again, talking about the younger players coming up. Uh, I don't think so. Murray did hint at Zegras uh, coming up and playing. Uh, that was one of the <clears throat> ones specifically that he talked about. He was really excited uh, about his hard uh, work and his ethic as Eddie was was drilling home uh, on his last comments there that uh, he's really um, you know happy with the way that he's listening to what they're telling him to do and, and he's coming and putting in the, uh, the work and the ethics. So I think Zegras is the one you're more likely to see. I think Perot and Drysdale... Um, Probably not, uh, you know, maybe a game or two here or there. But, uh, you know, as far as being up there for a while, I, I don't really think so, Eddie. No, same here. Um, and they shouldn't, we, we shouldn't rush them. Um, you guys seen what Edmonton has done. Uh, it, it, that's not the right way. Uh, I go on Neil Yakupov. I think he could have been a dynamic player and he could have been a force to be reckoned with. I think Edmonton kind of screwed him and effed him out of that chance. Uh, and, and now he's back in the K, and he just was wasted, uh, uh, you know, first overall opportunity. And I, I, I think, you know, yeah, part of it's going to fall on the player, but then another part of it's going to fall on the team that should recognize a player and, and not force him when he's not ready. He was forced. He shouldn't have been. Uh, he shouldn't have played when he should have. In NHL, it's a whole different ball game. It's a lot physical. It's a lot tougher. He was a little smaller player. And that's one thing I can always uh, proudly and say about the Ducks: they don't force their players, and, and they don't they don't waste their opportunity. Yeah, they made some questionable moves. We've seen players go off on a tangent and be, uh, I guess, superstars now. When you talk about Theodore and Carlson, but other than that, Ducks don't really throw players in that aren't ready. And that's one good thing I can say about the Ducks. And I I, I can't see. Any of those players, and I don't want them to see him in Ducks uniforms next season, minus the the preseason, if we even get a preseason. Who knows what's going to happen next season? Yeah, everything's in flux. It's just too crazy. Uh, I got a couple more questions. These are kind of ones that we talked about before, uh, if you didn't listen to the last show, but we'll, we'll uh, address them here in, uh, as well. We had uh, Graham Smith on Facebook ask, you know, what's the status of Kessler and Eves? Uh, as far as their contracts and whatnot, so Eves is basically uh, retired. Um, unfortunately, with his, his condition and things that were going on, there was different reports out there that it was you know one thing and then another, and then it was what it was. But unfortunately, he's not going to be able to play anymore. So he's off the books. The Ducks don't have to worry about him anymore. Um, with Kessler, as we talked about, they're most likely going to put him on the long-term injury reserve. His salary this year is $6.8 million, and then he's also on the books next season for $6.8 million. So that's where we're at with those guys. And then we also had Marcus who asked us about Getzloff and whether or not he's going to be with the Ducks next season. Absolutely. We talked about it. Um, he, he was selling his house in Kodo. I'm not sure if he sold it yet or not, but he also moved back towards the beach. So as far as next season goes, we're pretty sure he'll be with the team. Uh, after that, we don't know. So there's not a lot of changes there, um, Eddie, with those guys. Uh, not really much to say. Um, but the, the last question I want to go with is funny because Eddie and I disagree on this, and this is a funny one. But uh, uh, Michael Mobley asks, do you put pineapple on your pizza? Yes or no? I'll let Eddie go first, and then we'll, we'll finish with this one. <laughs> Absolutely. I think pineapple on the pizza tastes great. It enhances the flavor. It's just awesome. I, I, and I, I love it. And I guess if you don't put pineapple on your pizza, then I don't know. I, maybe you're Mike Walters. <laughs> Who knows? But you know what? Pizza is pizza. I, I, I don't care how you eat it. Well, actually, never mind. I do care how you eat it. Maybe I'm not the, the best person to talk about this because I actually like barbecue. 
pizza uh, on my pizza like barbecue chicken pizza is probably better than regular pizza for me so maybe i'm not the best person to ask about this but i guarantee 100 percent i love pineapple on my pizza i love pineapples in general sometimes i'm having a bad day i open up a can of pineapples and rub it on my ears and my body and i feel good <laughs> i'm so kidding that's from a movie but <laughs> i just had to throw a joke out there to see everyone laughing if you guys seen uh seen wedding crashers you know what i'm talking about yeah. but good question though i think this is like there was like one of the most enjoyable questions we had in a while yeah one of the most off the wall ones and i i think uh michael because i know he follows us religiously he's always commenting on uh usually facebook sometimes on twitter but i'll meet you halfway so for me pineapple is a no-go on pizza okay i like pineapple don't get me wrong i love pineapple but i don't want it on my pizza now barbecue chicken on pizza i give that a hell yeah i will take that anytime anywhere so uh, you know we're not always you know we agree on a lot of things but <laughs> this is the one that i'm like i don't know bro so maybe maybe we'll get a pizza and we'll get half pineapple pepperoni and half with the barbecue chicken that that way we can kind of just go that route i don't know what do you think eddie oh that's perfect you know what if fans too if you have more questions about food too i always tell you about movies but if you have weird questions about i guess idiosyncrasies about food shoot them our way because we would love to talk about that because i'm weird with food. I, I, like, I i love certain things i don't like certain things i i'm really particular and uh, about food so and i'm really picky too so that's kind of weird so if you have any questions about food Shoot them our way. We'll be happy to talk about them. Thank you, Michael, for uh, for this conversation or this question because it made us laugh and it was a great question. Yeah, I figured we end a show on that on a funny note. And yeah, absolutely. Like I know I asked for questions about hockey and ducks and stuff, but if you have anything about uh, movies or food, uh, for sure, Eddie and I will talk about it or or something else random. I, I just thought this was a good one to end with, especially with uh, you know this this really busy week. So. Um, we'll be back. Uh, like I said, I don't know when exactly, but uh, you know, we try to get on a more regular schedule, maybe every uh, couple weeks or so, whenever we figure out the season's coming back. Uh, don't forget, we still have t-shirts and hats and stuff. You can go to tpnhockey.com, check it out. And uh, just thanks for listening. Thanks for following. Um, stay strong, stay safe, be kind, love one another. And as always, let's go Ducks.